Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, a Gnomesu's tabletop gaming advice podcast. I'm Ange, and here we usually talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, but this week, Senda is talking to special guests Shareng Biswas and Lucian Khan about Honey and Hot Wax, their newly released anthology of erotic tabletop games and LARPs. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the Crisp Craig Dedrick, the daring Daniel Markwick, and the effervescent Eric Bontz. Now, just a little content warning. While the focus of this interview is not sexual, the focus of the anthology certainly is. And this interview does contain some frank discussions of sexuality and some sex acts. If you prefer not to hear that, go ahead and skip this episode. We'll catch you the next time for the Gnomecast 100th episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Gnomecast. I am your friendly neighborhood gnome, Senda, and I have the distinct pleasure today of having a couple of fantastic people on for an interview, which we don't do all the time, but tonight I'm super lucky. So tonight I have on Sharong and Lucian um, to talk about their new anthology, Honey and Hot Wax. And um, first, I'm just going to have them introduce themselves. So um, Sharong, tell me something cool about you. Yeah, uh, I'm Sharong Biswas. I'm a game designer, writer, and artist. I currently live in Manhattan. And something cool about me is that I think that cold chocolate milk is the zenith of the Anthropocene, and all human technology pales in comparison to its lacto-goodness. Wow. I feel like that was the best thing you could have said. I'm going to go ahead and ask you the next question I'm going to ask you right now, and then I'll move over. Tell me about the last game you played. I literally just came off of playing Spencer Stark's Alice is Missing. We started character creation last week. We ran out of time, so we played the actual game this week. It was a faculty game. We're testing it for our syllabi, Naomi Clark and I. And uh, it was really good, and the music is really cool, and it was really epic, and I recommend it as a game. I can't wait to play that one. I'm so excited. Yeah. Lucian. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Lucian Khan, and um, I am also a game designer. I'm the designer of Visigoths versus Malgoths and a variety of other strangely named games. And um, a cool thing about me, my great grandmother was a bootlegger during Prohibition. Oh, see, that's cool. Yeah. That's just neat. Um, cool. What was, yeah. what was the last game that you played? The last game I played was uh, Zhangshu Blood at the Banquet Hall, which just came out of Kickstarter. It's awesome. It was GM'd by my good friend Banana Chan, who's one of the designers. And it's an amazing game. It's all about Zhangshu, which are Chinese hopping vampires, and how the the folks who are working at a a family-owned Chinese restaurant uh, deal with these vampires. It's great. Yeah, I am also super excited to play that one and missed my chance earlier and I'm going to make it up. I know yeah, I'm going it's to. It's <laughs> 1,000% recommended. It's very, Yeah, very I, I have an adventure in there about um, ch- uh, Chinese-American wizard schools. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yes. so amazing. Yes, all of that and more and all of the wonderful things. <laughs> well, fantastic. So the reason we're having you on right now is because, um, how, actually, how long has it been out, Honey and Hot Wax? About a month, a little, uh, close Not to a month. Long. Yeah, like three, three and a half weeks, I think. Right? I'm glad you answered time that because too- I've completely lost <laughs> yeah, all I've sense lost of time. <laughs> I've just, uh, I'm, I've been like telling people about it a lot and I keep saying a week ago, two weeks ago, I think three weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So 
I, how long has it I, been? How long have I been inside? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So I'm just gonna say you just released, right? right? Like that's still yeah. really le- recent. So you just released Honey and Hot Wax, which is an anthology of erotic role playing games and LARPs, which, having just finished reading through them, are all amazing and beautiful, as far as I could tell. So. The thing that I just wanted to start with was how did you decide to put this together? Like what was the what was the inspiring moment that made you say yes, we want to make an anthology of erotic games? So, uh two-ish years, it's been like two years now that we've been working on this thing. Two years ago, uh for the 200 word RPG contest, I wrote a little game called um Several Miles from Heaven, which is a game where you are stripping while doing your gaming and the act of stripping has a lot of meaning in the game and is mechanically relevant as well. And I, I wrote that game, and I'm like, oh, that was interesting, because I'm, I'm very interested in, in verbs when it comes to games. Like, what are the players actually doing? Are they doing unconventional verbs as game mechanics? And so I'm like, okay, this is stripping. It's, you know, it's a sexual act, huh? What if we have games that use sex acts as game mechanics? And so Lucian and I have been friends for a long time, and we both talk about sexuality pretty openly with each other and things like that. And we were like, what if we made an anthology and then Lucian expanded it to, well, we don't have to just be games which use um, sexy actions. It can also be games that talk about, discuss, describe different aspects of sexuality uh, in different ways. And so we decided, great, we're going to do this. And then we applied for a grant kind of on a whim. Like, we're like, oh, there's well, a grant. There, b- back up a little <laughs> bit, because in, in, at the same time that Sharng had... Um, written several miles from heaven, I had unrelatedly written the first draft of my game that is now in the anthology, which is in the clefts of the rock, which is a game that actually uses sex acts as game mechanics. And so we were sort of talking about the fact that we'd both written these sex games. And at that same time, we found out about this grant by the Effing Foundation, which is an organization that funds projects that further sex positivity in the arts and education. So we found out about this project and we both had written sex games. So we were thinking, oh yeah, why don't we expand this into an anthology? We can sort of find like a really interesting, diverse group of designers and and sort of make this into a whole project. And it was important that we got the um, funding because we were like, this is, this is risky to, to, to make this. Not in that, oh, we're going to be lynched or whatever. But it was because this, this kind of art takes time and energy to make. And the risk is that a lot of us are marginalized designers and we, your time is valuable to us. So we're like, we don't want designers just make this, lose a bunch of time, effort, energy, get criticized for making sexy things. We know that's going to happen. So can we make this in a way that is safer for designers? Like, yes, if we have grant funding, we can try and pay the designers a, a, a good rate. In fact, Lucian uh, did a lot of the grant writing process and he was and we wrote together and we said we upfront told the foundation the vast majority of our funding is going towards paying the artist. We're not making a print issue yet. We're not doing any of that. The money is going to go to pay the artist. And the foundation was actually very supportive of that goal. So if they if they hadn't funded that initial um, you know, thing, this would not have happened. Yeah. It was honestly a very it was a very fortuitous and happy coincidence that everybody's goals aligned at the same moment because the foundation was really great. And then Pelgrane was really great. Once we got the grant, 
you know, Kat Tobin was awesome and was just like, this sounds really interesting. So it just kind of was a, was a happy convergence of everybody being on the same page. It's it's a lot of, it's a lot of good coincidences because I, while we were doing this grant thing, I knew that Kat Tobin was coming to New York is to go to, I don't know, some convention or something. Right. And I'm like, I know she's going to be in Manhattan. So I found her email address and emailed her and said, hi, you don't know me. Can I take you out to dinner and pitch a project to you? So I took her out for Mexican food and uh, to like a Michelin star Mexican place um, back back when I had consulting firm salary. And uh, yeah, I should, I should was, interrupt here to say that Sharang has like has like preternatural level charm uh, with like a, a cold pitch. It's like unreal. <laughs> oh my god um, I mean, but it was that's it a was good really, thing to have in this industry yeah <laughs> i mean it was really cool because i knew that uh that uh they had just published hashtag feminism recently at that time recently right and so i knew they were into this kind of thing and and kat tobin told me three things she says when i look to publish something i look for two of three things either it's a unique idea or it does some good in the world or it's gonna make a lot of money sharung you're not gonna make a lot of money and I'm like, that's why we have the grant funding, Kat. Don't worry about it. And she's like, as long yeah. as you're okay with that, we can move forward. <laughs> yeah. That's such a beautiful origin story for like uh, where things actually began. But um, how did you actually find the people that ended up on the author list? I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, recognizing the names on that list, I was extremely impressed by who was in this anth- anthology. So how did you go about gathering those people? This was kind of a multi-pronged process. Um, So (laughs) part of what we did, we wanted to make sure that we would have a really diverse roster of designers. So we sort of workshopped this a little bit with people that we knew in publishing. And a lot of folks were telling us that you actually tend to end up with a more diverse group for an anthology if you do direct requests for applications rather than doing an open call. So we decided that we would start with sort of a wide sweeping set of requests for submissions from specific designers that we thought might be good for the project. So we just did a bunch of research, basically, right? We figured out, okay, like given all of our knowledge of what's going on in RPGs at the moment that we did this, who are all of the designers we can possibly think of and that they can possibly think of who might be a good fit for this project and made sure that we had a really good mix of folks from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds and sexualities and all of that stuff. So first we did this sort of direct ask where we asked a whole slew of people, do you want to submit something to this? And then towards the end, we also did sort of an open call. Right. So we said, hey, like if anybody is interested in this and we just don't know you, feel free to submit to this. But we focused our outreach attention on the on the targeted asks. And that's important because of the sensitivity of the topic. Right. Because people had told us Mm -hmm. if you do a fully open call, you will probably get a lot of angry people just sending you angry emails saying, why are you doing this? Don't do this. Right. And also, (laughs) we would probably have gotten just a bunch of really offensive, terrible stuff. Right. We would have gotten your what we like to refer to as, you know, busty orcs, right? It, it just would have been like a thousand submissions of, of busty orcs. And we don't want just busty orcs. That's not what we're looking for. So we did it that way. 
And then we had a couple of rounds of narrowing it down, right? We got a whole bunch of submissions. And the way that we structured our grant application was so that we would be able to choose 13, I think it was, 13 games that we would like to see a full draft of, right? So you didn't have to write a full game for the initial submission process. You had to write a proposal to make it easier. And then we selected 13 games that we thought sounded promising, paid all of those people a small stipend from the grant so that they would develop a full game. And then we, were, we narrowed it down to selecting the best fits for uh, eight slots total, right? So that at least the folks who were developing a full game got paid something for their effort. And we didn't have like a gazillion people writing full games. So that's how we did it. Yeah, we're really, I'm actually really proud of what Lucian and I came because we're like, we don't want people writing on spec. The whole point of this project is to uplift marginalized writers writing risky things, right? Marginalized game designers making risky art. So we, uh, Lucia, we paid them first, and then the eight we selected, we paid them more to acquire the game, and they keep the game rights, but to like have publishing rights. And yeah. all the designers involved are getting a, a royalty um, from from the from Pelgrane, and a small portion of the royalties are going to sex positive charities as well. Um, we're trying to be very ethical and good about how the like. Monetary uh, financial aspect and the profit aspect gets shared, and then for the for the introductory chapters, we just contacted people we knew would be good for it, right? So we had we knew Naomi Clark, we knew she would be perfect for the introduction. We asked her, she said yes, right? That kind of stuff was was just very like, you know, yeah. And we asked yeah, we so- asked the person we wanted the introduction from, and she decided yeah. to do the project. So. In case our listeners don't know, because I know, because I have it on my shelf, um, she wrote Consentical, mm-hmm. which is a board game about a human and an alien having a sexual encounter, um, which I have not gotten to play yet, but it's sitting there on my shelf and I've read through it. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. It's very good. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, I mean, so this is an interesting question and I don't know exactly how to phrase it, but I think this leads pretty well into it. So having just read through all of this, and even though the audience hasn't necessarily heard about a lot of these yet, there are some instances in there where games look really fascinating to me, but they do get very intense in terms of physical touch and in terms of um, emotional intensity p- potentially too, right? There's a certain point at which I kind of just have to ask to see where your perspective is on this. Um, when would you play the game instead of just having sex with someone? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's <laughs> one of the questions I, I wanted to explore, right? Like, with right. this idea, like, can we use verbs that are already emotionally charged and have their own set of uh, thoughts and, and, uh, and um, things tied to it? Can we use it in a game that, where it's expected to mean something else. I mean, my game tries to do that, right? Well, my game uh, suggests to the players to do sex acts with each other and then stop doing it and then go back into role-playing scenes, right? Not all the games are like yeah. that, right? Uh, if you read um, uh, the Alien the Alien game that Cat Jones and Will Morning you inside about, us. You Inside Us, they actually say, by the way, if you start getting hot and heavy, just go with it, right? While my game says, then stop. Then do this next thing. And that's actually one of the questions I, I was interested in exploring as an artist. When I playtested it, uh, my game at least, when I playtested it, I was, we did stop. And possibly because I'm the game designer and I'm like, now we stop. Now we do this other thing. <laughs> right. um, Urch! Yeah. I, 
my game in the cleft of the rock, I don't think really it satisfies a very different set of desires than wanting to have sex with somebody, to be honest. It's a surrealist game where you are interacting with people's bodies as if they are otherworldly landscapes, right? So you're you're doing this sort of surrealist narration activity where, you know, maybe you're you're touching somebody's genitals and talking about a volcano. And that's just not like what you are going to get out of that is kind of unrelated, I think, in a lot of ways to what you're going to get out of just having sex with somebody. It's a, it's a, it's a strange, surreal, imaginative activity about sort of doing an imagination exercise where you, where you sort of ask this speculative question of what if our bodies actually meant something completely different than they do in our normal lives, right? Can we recontextualize our bodies? to have a totally different set of aesthetic and emotional resonances and see what happens if you do that, which I just don't think would normally happen, right? It's just a weird thing to do. Um, so I, you know, I, I just think you would be doing it for a different reason, right? We, when we play tested it, it was, I was in the first play test, right? Lisa? Yeah. Sharon was in the first play test and we all sort of noticed, right? This game is not necessarily particularly hot. Mm -hmm. Right. Like what what it is, is it's very artistically and intellectually and aesthetically compelling, but it's kind of like on the border of of not really about being aroused, per se, as opposed to finding some way of recontextualizing and doing imagination work with the body, which is it's a different thing to be doing. Right. It's just a different activity. And I think that's really important because the, the anthology is called an anthology of erotic art games. And that's because we have to think of a title. Um, it is not entirely accurate that all the games are erotic, right? All the games are themed on an aspect of sexuality, but they are not all erotic, right? Like um, uh, Julia Ellingbow and Kat Jones have a game, The Sleepover, which is about teens at a sleepover talking about awkward crushes and like, talking about how awkward it is that their parents tried to give them the sex talk. That is as unerotic. That's like a super unerotic game. It's about teens yeah. being giggly with each it's, other and doing it's nails. It's teens talking about the erotic. Right? right? It's so, teens talking I, about what what is sex, what is sexuality, what like what are these things, right? But the but the narrative itself is not erotic. It's and it's, we, a, it's kind of yeah. I think that was important to us because we wanted in this anthology to have a broad set of perspectives and a broad exploration. Maybe one day I'll make another anthology where every game is like a pornographic game, right? Perhaps, right? But for this anthology, we really wanted it to be some games you do hot and heavy thing with each other. Some games, not at all. Some games you go into surreal landscapes. Some games you play vampire, you know, like we wanted to do a yeah. full spectrum. And I mean, something like um, Cleo Yunsu Davis's Pass the Sugar, Please, right? You don't have sex in that game. It's about you're you're at a tea party and uh, all the other people there are part of your secret society where everybody had sex the night before and you have to communicate with your sex partner from the night before using innuendos only referring to the tea and the scones and the sandwiches, right? right. So it's just you can't really compare that to just having sex with somebody, right? It's no. just a totally different thing. <laughs> there definitely are some in there that are not like that at all, but there yeah. are some that I was reading and I was like, yes. this vampire game. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So like Janea's um, <laughs> game and my game and possibly Cat and Will's game, 
may yeah. result in slightly saucier things. And then and I think Naomi and my re- game, right? You can, uh, you, oh yeah, you oh, can definitely. have se- you, you could, oh, definitely. you could definitely, you know, be jerking people off in that game, right? Right. But it's going to be a really strange context. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. And like Naomi has a really great point, which she makes in the intro, which is it is obviously cool to play them, but it is also valid and valuable to read these games and let that intellectually stimulate you and inform you about games and things, right? Because we know all of us who are gamers probably have 55 books in our shelf that we've read and are super excited about, but have never played, right? So in that same way, if you're not comfortable playing a couple of these games with people because you don't want to do certain things, one, you can always, since you are the player, you can always modify the games yourself if you want to, of course. But even if you'd rather not do that, whatever, you can read the games and still, I believe, get a lot out of it about the artistic intent of the writers, about like the boundaries between games and reality, and like what verbs are when they intrude and bleed and things like that. I think it's still valuable. Um, I think it's extremely valuable. And I actually, so on that note, I wanted to see if you would both be comfortable talking a little bit about your safety chapter and, and, and how you knew that Maury Brown would be the perfect person to write this because obviously it's perfect. I guess I say obviously, but that's because I just finished reading it. I read it, and my first impression was that if I were suddenly on the spot to try to explain consent in, say, a uh, sex education class in high school or something along those lines, I would probably just hand them this chapter and be like, I know it says it's about games, but you just do this. Read all of this and make it happen. So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, one thing I will say is that during like maybe three or four years ago, I've lost track of time. Sharing and I were um, played in a beatnik LARP that Maury had designed um, where you it's a historical LARP where you um, everybody in the game plays one of the um, beat poets. And I was Frank O'Hara and Sharing was Allen Ginsberg. And it was this whole thing. And. I noticed that in the sort of prelude day that we had where Maury was explaining the game and doing workshops and rules that she was particularly good at explaining the safety mechanics and sort of like going into all of the different safety tools that could be used, all of the different consent tools that could be used. So I sort of had that in my mind from that experience that she was very lucid uh, about explaining all of those things. And I had um, read so that some a, stuff that, that she'd written on Nordic LARP. I think it was Nordic like, where she definitely published some stuff about like aftercare and safety and bleed and things like that. And so the combined with the experience where that game, I think was really good about safety. Like there's literally a moment where Lucian and I took a bath together in that game. Right? We, we did. Had, we got, we, we straight up got naked and took a bubble bath in not in, a sexual bath. We right. just took a bath. Right. And like the game was very conducive to that. It was very forward with that. Right. And, and, and that experience combined with the writing I'd seen Maury do, uh, I think uh, was what made us think about this. And I think we're very pleased with the final result. That happened. Like you said, we got a great review from a really f- uh, famous erotica writer, Cecilia Tan, who wrote a review of the game and said the, the, Safety chapter is worth the price of the whole book, uh, which was kind of cool to be like, oh, wow, because we cool. were, Luch and I were very concerned about, right, like safety and consent and stuff in the game. Like we, the, each game went through many layers of 
We looked at them. The head of the Effing Foundation looked at them. Kat Tobin looked at them. We gave lots of explanation to our writers. This is what we mean by sex and safety and this and that. And then, you know, and then Maury looked at them. And then it, it was a big process to make sure these games whole thing. weren't weird. Yeah. And also most of the games, in addition to the extremely extensive safety and consent chapter, most of the games also have additional safety and consent mechanisms in them to sort of have multi-layers to, to catch problems that arise. So we, we spent a lot of time and work trying our, our absolute best to make these games safe and consensual for people who are playing. And I think one of the best things about safety tools and making them explicit is that you don't always have to use them, right? Like, I've played lots of games where uh, we say, okay, this is a safety tool we're using, and then issues come up, but we don't actually use the tool. We just talk about it, right? And not that the tools are bad, and the tools are great, but sometimes even just the fact that the game makes explicit that the tools exist empower players to be like, oh, this is something I can be cognizant about. So some, some players don't like using specific tools. That's great. But the fact that they exist empowers some people to just talk about their, their like boundaries in the game, which is also really good and powerful. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I definitely appreciated about that chapter was the specific statement that, you know, as much as we talk about safety and, and as, as much as we want to enforce it, that at some point, if someone is just specifically not willing to engage with that, that they don't have to be at your game. Right. I think that's really key because I yeah. think there's <laughs> there's sometimes <laughs> a peer pressure thing like you came over to play this game or whatever. But if you're not going to buy in on that social contract with me, goodbye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, do some do something else. Go do something else. Yeah, it's the we'll same. catch you yeah. next it's, week for D&D. Right? Like, exactly. It's the same concept of. If Lucian and I are playing a fantasy fighting role-playing game together and I decide, you know what? I don't want to fight the dragon. I want to stab all the players con constantly and continuously and, and not fight the monster. That's the same thing, <laughs> right? Then the GM's like, hey, this is not the game we're playing. Clearly you want to do something else. Maybe you should not do this thing, right? Uh, it's right. This, literally the same concept. If you don't feel that you want to buy into the expectations everyone else has, that maybe that's not a game you want to play, right? Yeah. Go do something much. else. <laughs> Go do something else. Yep. That is safe for everybody. Yep. <laughs> Gosh, is there anything else that I kind of didn't touch on that you would like to spend maybe um, the next five-ish minutes on before I kind of wrap us up? I mean, one thing that happened that was a little interesting and surprising is, you know, we've been working on this book for two years and we're like, you know, we're like a few months away in publication and then covid hits right and oh, we're like gosh right we're like oh wow we're, we, we have a, a book of games about like intimacy coming out but then so we looked through them again and it's like wait a minute a lot of these games are very playable online right um for example yes. pass the sugar please got turned into an online interactive theater experience by Intermersive media in boston right where we worked with cat and we worked with uh cleo the author of the game uh, to deliver this with tickets where money went to Clio for each ticket sale, thing like that. And so that we successfully ran many, many, many sessions of that online. Uh, what else? Um, you Inside Me has a specific module. If you are playing this online, do these things instead. And so uh, when we, you know, we were like, oh my God, what do we do? Like, what's happening? How can we release this book? And then we looked at the games again. We're like, actually, a large percentage of them can be played online in a very satisfying way. and 
Kit, who is the head of the Effing Foundation, they told us, and don't forget, Gamers don't all live alone. Sharung, you live alone, but not all gamers do, right? <laughs> and so a lot yeah. of people uh, might want to play this with people they are isolating with. And we're like, oh, right, that's true too. Maybe you're not yeah. isolating with 10 people to play a 10-person LARP, but, you know, you don't have to play that. Exactly. And there are quite a few games in the book that are two or three players. So if you are, you know, with your partner or your lover or even just your weird roommates, right? Um, you could play some of these games that are suitable for whatever relationship you have with those people. So yeah, um, it actually turned out better than our initial panic when we were like, oh no, everyone's stuck at home and cannot play our sex games. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't turn out to, to really be that way. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely some that I, I the, the, the larger LARPs that I went, oh, would really love to play this like pop and the I've lost the name of it, but the sleepover is yeah. called the sleepover. Yeah. Yes. That are definitely not really COVID <laughs> yeah. friendly, but I will just wait until yeah. COVID is over <laughs> and my, yeah. my regular monthly LARP night comes back because that would be... Great, yeah. but it's gone right now. Um, pop, pop is incredible. Yeah. By the way. Um, it, for for those listening at home, pop is about balloon fetishists, balloon enthusiasts, and it takes place inside a physical depiction of the internet. So you're in a physical space, but you are there are like papers everywhere, and you're writing on it like you're inside of message boards. Um, it's really interesting. It's by Alex Roberts. Um, yeah. It's really really good. Yeah. So that's one to look forward to when uh, when we have the physical world back. And Alex, who designed it, you know, Alex, you know, has won the Dana Jones Award, is really, really well known for her game design. Alex handled that very well, because as far as we understand, Alex does not identify as a balloon fetishist, right? Uh, but Alex, like, joined, like, communities and spoke to the people and is very clear and good about stating very upfront in the game is that be kind. This is not a game about making fun of anyone. This is a game exploring this aspect of human behavior of this humanity these are just people who like doing this thing we're not here to make fun of people i think that was very key yeah. to us accepting that game right it's, like, a, like, it's a very warm-hearted game and it's very well researched it's really very good uh, and, and that's something i do want to highlight as well is that uh, a lot of people you know shorthand they chat with me and they're like oh yeah shara and your sex games book that you edited right and at one i'm like well i co-edited i didn't edit it um but yeah. two, uh, obviously, <laughs> if I'm friends with you, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I actually want to correct for many people. This is not just, I want to say it's not a book of sex game. It's not like, oh, we're, gonna, we're getting into bed and we're about to have sex. Let's play this game, right? That's not what this is. Like, like uh, Lucian alluded to earlier about his surreal <laughs> pul palpitate my knee game, right? Like, literally, I am palpitating <laughs> your knee, right? Like, what does that mean sexually? Whatever, and right? talking about, you know, weird planets. <laughs> right, right. Uh, this is a game, uh, this is a book of games that explore, just like other games, explore other aspects of humanity, right? Alice is Missing explores grief and loss and, like, what do you do and blame and stuff like that, right? The game I just played. This game explores very, uh, this book has games that explore various different aspects of sexuality, from things like how do we layer truths and realities and onto our bodies and what we tell ourselves about the fictions and truths about our bodies, or what is our relationship like to parents and to peers about how we talk about sex, or how does you performing certain sex acts change the way you view your own identity, right? All these different games discuss, I think, in a very artistic way. I mean, Luch and I both think we curated this. 
in a very artistic way and discuss these very human things in a very intelligent, cool, and fun way. Uh, and it's not just like, these games are going to get you to jerk off. Most of them honestly won't. No, they, it, most of them aren't really like that. Although some of them kind of are. Some of them kind of are. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're A, okay with, happy with, and promote that too, right? That was part of the thing. Yes. Like, yes, if your game is super horny, that's fine too. You know, we just but the ways the respect. ways in which the horniest, the ways in which the horniest games in the book are horny always has something unusual and like meta textual and, and, you know, complex about it. Right. It's not, it's not just like, let's get horny. Right. And we got a lot of, like, we, we, unfortunately, because of our budget, because we wanted to pay each artist well, we got a lot of really good games that fit this in our submission, right? We got a, a, a D&D, like, dungeon crawl submission that was interesting. That wasn't just like, what were you saying? Orc tits, right? Uh, yeah, it wasn't yeah. just busty orcs. Right? It was, like, it, was like a, it was like a dungeon crawl, but it used certain mechanics in an interesting way we considered it we we moved it forward ultimately we had to let it go because you know we have to make a choice but all the games we got were like intelligent and thoughtful and we actually i don't think lucian we got a single game that i could say was a busty orcs game no um, we didn't get busty orcs games which was yeah, great which was really all, really of, nice. all of the submissions were really interesting to read we just you know had a had finite amount of yeah so i guess the last question is if there were to be another grant or something along those lines, would you create another anthology like this? Sharong's doing one. <laughs> yeah, that's the answer I like to hear. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so Cleo Yangsu Davis, who did Pasta Sugar Please that we talked about, about the tea party. Yep. Cleo and I have known each other for a long time. Cleo and I uh, also have a lot of, uh, we do a lot of, our practice involves uh, fiction writing a lot, right? Uh, interactive fiction writing. So this fall, Cleo and I are co-editing Strange Lusts, Strange Loves, an anthology of erotic interactive fiction. We're partnering with Strange Horizons, the speculative fiction literary magazine that's, you know, multiple award, like all the awards in sci-fi fantasy they have won at some point. We're partnering with them to release uh, a special issue next year of Strange Lusts, Strange Loves uh, of interactive fiction in the same theme. So themed around sex in different ways. Some of them are going to be are very erotic. Some of them will not be. Uh, and we have a core team of really well-known writers. We have Anna Anthropy, you know, really well-known interactive fiction writer. We have Nibadita Sen, who is, you know, teaching at Clarion West right now. She's been nominated for all the major awards. And we have uh, Natalia Theodoridou, who has won a lot of the major awards, right? Uh, and has got Nebula nominations for his interactive fiction work. And so we have that as our core team. We have Jabari doing our art, Jabari Weathers, who you might know from lots of award-winning games like Bluebeard's Bride and things. Uh, they are doing mm -hmm. our illustration. Uh, Banana Chan, who did Jiangxi that Lucian mentioned, is advising us and helping us and being sort of producer. And that's coming out. We're really excited about this. It's going to be really interesting. And that's we're doing our Kickstarter preview in September. And the Kickstarter itself is going to launch October, we think, 22nd. So do watch out for that. Uh, it's going to be a really cool thing. Um, we're, we're very, very excited. It's, it's, in a sense, a spiritual successor to Honey and Hot Wax. I'm very excited about it, and I'm not even involved with it. So <laughs> do it. It <laughs> sounds it. really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, How could Lucian you not and I be? play test with each other a lot. So I'm probably yeah. going to be like, hey, Lucian, read my game. Tell me what you think. 100%. <laughs> so... It's uh, so fantastic. Thank you both so very, very much for spending the time to sit down with me tonight. 
And uh, just tell me really quickly, where can people find you on the internet? So uh, this is Lucian speaking. Um, you can find most of my games at necromancy.itch.io. And you can find me on Twitter at Otheogony. I'll spell it because it's a pun and I, I don't think it's intuitive at all. Um, it's O-H underscore T-H-E-O-G-O-N-Y. I am constantly on Twitter because I'm stuck in my apartment. So yeah, you can find most of my stuff there. A lot of my stuff's also on DriveThruRPG. And I'm, I'm Sharung Biswas. My Twitter is my full name, Sharung Biswas, at Sharung Biswas. Uh, that will link to my website. But you can also find me on um, itch, which is astrolingus.itch.io, which is A-S-T-R-O-L-I-N-G-U-S, think star-tongued. And some of my games are on itch, some of them are on drive-thru if you search for Sharing Biswas, and some of them are like commissioned works and stuff, so you might be able to find out about them on my website, and you might find out when I'm doing repeat performances. Many of them are like, yeah, get, like I've shown them in art galleries and stuff, so I can't sell, they're like, they're like physical things. So yeah, but Twitter is probably the best place to find all the new stuff. Both me and Lucian, we spend a lot of time on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're both really glued to Twitter. <laughs> and uh, where should people find Honey and Hot Wax? So there are a couple of places to find it. The most direct is to just go to the Pelagrain Press website. They have a link to it and you can just buy it on the website, buy it directly. It's also on RPG. Yeah. And I think those are the main places to get it right now. Yeah, those are the main two places. Either so if you like drive through, get it there. Uh, if you do get it and if you like it on drive through, we would love reviews. Uh, if you like the games, if you like the book, please leave us reviews. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about them, the pages on Pelgrane describe each game, describe just link to each author, and um, we've talked about this in a lot of places, like here. So I know, which is fantastic. I'm probably going to write an article about it too. Yeah, that's that's for later. <laughs> So people who don't listen, they'll read. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me tonight and spending the time. It was a delight to talk with both of you. And I didn't even Thanks have so to much say for having us. Much. Yeah, thank you. That was <laughs> super lovely. the best kind of interview. This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. You can find Honey and Hot Wax at the Pelgrane Press shop at pelgranepress.com or follow the link in our show notes. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Panda's Talking Games. Phil and Senda answer your questions about RPGs from the perspective of two sides of things. It used to be one-shots and campaigns, but that's changed over the years. But I can guarantee you the panda silliness never changes. You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. I'm pretty sure... We're avoiding the stew this week because we really don't want to get the hot wax in the stew pot. That'd just take forever to come out. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Whether anybody else, you know, whether... Let me back that up a second. Rob, fix this in post. Um, my impression was a little bit... <laughs>